Welcome back to the Walk the Word podcast with me, Pastor James, coming out of Saar Fellowship in the Kingdom of Bahrain. We're walking through Genesis one chapter a week, and today we get to Genesis chapter 21, and we see that the big thing that we see this week is the birth of Isaac. Now, if you've not read Genesis 21 recently, uh, go ahead, press pause, and then we'll come back together as we seek to know and grow in God's Word together. So Genesis 21 begins like this, The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. Now this is Sarah uh, falling pregnant. It's somewhat miraculous because she is above 90. Abraham's about 100. And we see that God is the, a promise keeper. He visited Sarah as he had said. He did to Sarah as he had promised. And we read in verse 2 that she conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Now that was back in chapter 18 as we read that, you know, look, this time next year, Sarah's going to have a son. And uh, she conceived, bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. And in verse 3, we read that Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And the name means he laughs. And uh, this was promised back in chapter 17. Uh, Chapter 17, verse 19, we read that uh, God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. You know, it's a joyous name. It means laughter. So again, uh, what God has said did come true. And we read in verse 4 that Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old. And again, that's also we read of that in chapter 17. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And again, that just speaks of the miraculous and very sovereign workings of God. So he, he can do things that are outside of our understanding, far outside of our control. Uh, and he, he is sovereign and he said this is going to happen and, and therefore it happens because he wanted it to happen. The will of God wanted this to happen and it did for Abraham and Sarah. We've read again and again that Isaac is the child through whom the promise is going to be uh, going to be communicated and it's going to pass on. And again, it's it's come to pass because God said it was. Because God said it would. We read in verse 6 that Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Now the fact that she falls pregnant is, is hugely miraculous. The fact that her 90-year-old body can then go ahead and nurse children is miraculous. And again, it just speaks to the fact that you know, God said this would happen. He comes good on his promises. All his promises are yes and amen. And here's Sarah, 90 years old, conceiving, bearing a child, and then nursing him for around three years, uh, most sources would agree on. Some suggest that children were nursed for a much longer period of time, anywhere up to 10 or 12. Some people have, have thought that Isaac was nursed until he was about five. But um, again, the majority of uh, scholars would say that it was about three. So we read that uh, in verse eight, the child grew and was weaned, probably about three years later then. 
Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned, but Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, laughing. Now, it's really interesting that the conflict here starts with Ishmael. He's laughing at what is going on. He's laughing at Isaac. And Paul references this and uses the, the relationship between the son of the flesh and the son of the promise in Galatians, and especially in Galatians chapter 4. And um, you can read about that. Uh, and this idea comes through in, in, in Paul's thinking and in Paul's writing uh, that even though Ishmael could claim to be a son of Abraham, just as Isaac could, the fact that one was born under law and works and, and man taken into his own hands, uh, his future, so to speak. The other one was the son of the promise. We've got one son of, of the flesh and of the law and of works, and we've got another son who was the son of the promise where God, in his wonderful sovereign grace and, and, and his divine will, has made this happen for Sarah and Abraham because he wanted it to. So it's really interesting here. The conflict starts with Ishmael. And um, Sarah said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And we read in verse 11 that the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. You know, even though Ishmael was, was born under the wrong circumstances, can we, you know, shall we say that? Abraham took it into his own hands to try and force the process, so to speak. You know, it's still his son. He still loves him. We see later on in this chapter that God is not against Ishmael. He's, the promise that he speaks of is just through Isaac, but he's not against Ishmael in any way. And it would be wrong of us to think that Abraham didn't love his son, Ishmael. So Abraham doesn't find this a particularly great idea. Uh, and then he, he obviously prayed about it, because in verse 12 we read, But God said to Abraham, Be not displeased because of the boy, because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. So yes, Ishmael is still your son. I'm still going to bless him. I'm still going to make him into a nation. But it's Isaac through whom the promise is going to come. So we see again that we see again that God is not against Ishmael here. We see that he's going he's to bless him. He's going to make him into a great nation. And he does uh, the Arabic nations, the Arabic people. But the promise is coming through Isaac. So we read in verse 14 that Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And this is a very strong picture for us of how we need to get rid of in our own lives that which is of the flesh. And again, Paul draws this comparison. He writes about it in Galatians. Anything that is in our life that is fleshly needs to be put away and put aside, even if it's really difficult for us to do so. Now, let's not pretend that this was easy for Abraham. He obviously didn't want to do it, but God needed to step in and say to him, look, it'll be fine. Don't worry. I will make him a nation. So you send him away, but you don't need to worry about him because I'm going to make him into a nation. 
Therefore, he is going to be cared for. He is going to be provided for. So they go off into the wilderness of Beersheba, and uh, we read in verse 15 that when the water in the skin was gone, she, Hagar, put the child under one of the bushes. She cares for this boy. She loves this boy so much. And we read, because she put him under the bushes, verse 16, because she didn't want to see him die because the water's ran out. They're in the desert. If you've been anywhere near the Middle East, this part of the world, you know that when it's hot in the middle of the day, it is hot. And if you're outside without any water, it can be really, really dangerous for your health. So she puts him under a bush, gives him some shade, and goes and sits down a little way away from him so she doesn't have to watch him die. And she sat opposite him. She lifted up her voice and wept, and God heard the voice of the boy. So Ishmael is, is clearly also crying out and, and crying out to God. We read, God heard the voice of the boy, and and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy, hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. And again, that's the Arab nations, the Arabic people. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. She went, filled the skin with water, gave the boy a drink, and God was with the boy. And he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran. And his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Now again, God has provided miraculously here. Whether Hagar just didn't see this well and God opened her eyes so she, you know, so she could see it literally, physically. Whether he miraculously created something for her. Is kind of secondary to the point that he provided for her. And he, again, for the second time in this chapter, he's come through on his promise. He's told Abraham, I'm going to make a nation of the son of the slave, and that can't happen if he's going to die in the wilderness, can it? And the angel of God here says, uh, you know, don't worry, up, lift the boy, hold him fast. I'm going to make him into a great nation. And again, we see that God is not against Ishmael. God is not against Ishmael. He, he loves him like he loves everybody, past, present, future, made in his image. But the promise is coming through Isaac. And as we continue, we see this little passage about Abraham and Abimelech. And so I read that Abimelech is not actually the name of a person. It's more the title. It's the role of a person. Uh, so at that time, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, said to Abraham, God is with you in all that you do. Now, it's most probable this is not the same Abimelech that we read about uh, last time in Genesis chapter 20. Again, because it's, we're a few years down the line. And again, it's a title. It's a role. Abimelech is the king. And uh, so he says, it's obviously very noticeable what's going on with Abraham in his life. He says, God is with you in all that you do. And if we just pause and think, could people say that about us? Is our Christian life, is our life of faith so obvious to other people that they can look at us and say, wow, God is with you in all that you do. So Abraham at this point is quite an important guy. He's quite an influential guy. He's quite a wealthy guy. And Abimelech clearly thinks that he's a good guy to be making a covenant with, to be making agreements with. And um, 
So we read, we read, don't we, that uh, Abimelech says to Abraham, Swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my descendants or with my posterity. But as I have dealt kindly with you, so you will deal with me in the land where you have sojourned. Abraham said, I will swear. And as we continue, we see that um, a little while later, Abraham had to reprove Abimelech. So basically, he has to go and rebuke him, got to call him out on some stuff and tell him off about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized. Now, it sounds like, and it reads like, this had belonged to Abraham, and some servants of Abimelech had basically stolen this well, had basically taken over this well from Abraham's people. We read then that Abimelech has has basically come out and said, look, I don't know who's done this. Uh, You didn't tell me about this, and I've not heard about it until right now. And then Abraham took sheep, and oxen and gave them to Abimelech and the two of them made a covenant and we said a few chapters ago that to, to make a covenant is to literally cut a covenant. So these animals were probably the covenantal sacrifice and then Abimelech received this gift from Abraham of seven ewe lambs and he says look you know what's, what are these for? And Abraham says look they're basically witness they're basically evidence that um, I dug this well out, and I'm, I'm giving you these to prove to you that it was my thing. And you've got to, in taking these ewe lambs, you will acknowledge that, yes, this was my well, and your guys did steal it. And um, In verse 31, we read that therefore the place was called Beersheba, still a real place uh, in Israel today, and it means watering place, and it's quite an important place. We we see it come up again and again and again. Uh, We'll see it a couple more times in Genesis. We see it in Joshua, 1 Samuel, Kings, uh, Judges, and Amos as well, and it keeps coming up in the Old Testament. It's quite an important place. Uh, for God's people. They keep coming back to this place. And so they make a covenant. Abimelech and Fecal return to where they've come from. And we read in verse 33 that Abraham planted a tamarisk tree, and apparently they grow very, very slowly. So he is sure that this land that God has given him is going to be with him for the foreseeable future because he's planted something that's very slow growing. So he plants a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and calls on the name of the Lord, he's worshipping, he's calling on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God, and he's sojourned many days in the land of the Philistine. And the big thing here is that even though Abraham's got this conflict going on, even though he's going through some tough times and some difficult circumstances, the conflict doesn't stop his communion with God. The conflict that he's going through doesn't stop him communing with God. And what a great lesson that is for you and me today. That whatever we're going through, regardless of what is going on around us, there is nothing that can stop us or nothing that should stop us from communing with and communicating with the Lord. Even though Abraham's going through some stuff, he's had some, some property stolen, He's gone about making it right, and he's still communing. He's still worshipping, because to worship God, to call on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God, is always the right thing to do. 
isn't it? So Genesis 21, we've got the birth of Isaac. We've got uh, Hagar and Ishmael wandering in the wilderness. And we saw that God is not against Ishmael. He's still a son of Abraham. He's blessed and still made into a great nation. But the promise through Isaac shall your offspring be named. We see that. And then we see this agreement, this treaty with Abimelech and the fact that conflict doesn't stop our communion with God. Next time then we'll get into Genesis chapter 22 and we see the sacrifice of Isaac and what a wonderful preview this is for us, Jesus. But until then, 